Brands on Brands. Hey, it's Vincent Baglisi from Total Life Freedom. If you want to learn more about building quality relationships and lifestyle freedom, you should be listening to Brands on Brands with my new friend, Brandon Berkmeyer. In a world where content is king and your reputation is your brand, how do you build a brand that matters? Welcome to Brands on Brands, a home for those that think different and push their boundaries. This is where branding that matters lives. Now, here is your host, Brandon Berkmeyer. Hey, 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 what's up? Welcome to Brands on Brands. I'm Brandon Berkmeyer, your personal branding coach. And I believe that building a brand that matters is the only way for a person to thrive tomorrow. Thanks for tuning in each week as we bring you personal brand experts, coaches, creators, and all the people who are going to be sharing with you their tips, their tricks, their stories about how they built their personal brands so that you can learn from them and jump ahead. Now, if you guys haven't listened to the show before, make sure that you go to brandsonbrands.com forward slash resources to check out our templates, our guides, all of our free tools are right there for you. Uh, and appreciate you guys listening. Today, today's interview, it is another interview episode, is with a friend of mine. His name's Vincent Publisi, and he is a professional photographer for more than 20 years and an international award-winning sports and documentary photographer. Vincent has photographed every major sporting event, including the Super Bowl, the World Series, the NHL Finals, the Kentucky Derby, and even WrestleMania. Vincent and his wife, Elizabeth, own and run Elizabeth Vincent Photography, which specializes in documentary wedding and corporate photography. And when he's not with his family or shooting, he also coaches freelancers on how to live a life of financial time and life freedom specifically through the world of self-employment. And he's the co-owner of Sports Photo School. Uh, obviously, he's got a lot going on in the entrepreneurial space. But really, what I'm here to talk to him about is two things. One is what he teaches in his coaching and through his masterminds, which is this concept of total life freedom. So think about it as how do you leave your safety net and go out there and chase your dreams and build the job you want, the life you want? And then beyond that, his newest endeavor, diving into the area of building relationships and connection. He has a new book coming out in May of 2022 called The Wealth of Connection. We're going to dive into that. He wrote a book back in 2017 called Freelance to Freedom. He has a podcast called The Total Life Freedom Podcast. Check that out if you get a chance. It's already 800 or so episodes deep. And he should be launching a new podcast, The Wealth of Connection, in January 2022 as well. So lots going on that we're talking about, but really diving into those concepts of how to build connection the right way and continue to chase that life of freedom that I know you guys want because you're listening to this show. So appreciate you. And uh, let's get into the show. Brands on Brands. All right, let's get going. I'm excited to welcome our guest today, Vincent Puglisi. Welcome to the show, man. Thank you so much. It's an honor. Yeah. Happy to have you here, Vincent. One of the reasons I'm happy and thank you for being here is we get to talk about a little bit about the entrepreneurial journey. I'll call it a little bit about lifestyle freedom. And then obviously my favorite topic, personal branding. 
But let's start with the concept of lifestyle freedom, which is something I know you've been coaching on for a long time. What does that mean to you and why is it important? It's, a, it's an interesting topic because I never understood that it was even possible. I grew up in an era where you go to school, you apply for a job. It's a job that you probably don't want. And then everybody older than you tells you, well, you're not going to enjoy what you work, what you do. And someday you're going to retire. And I was always very rebellious when I had no clue of what I was doing back in school. I was, I knew it wasn't for me, even though I wasn't down on myself when everybody else was, I had so many people telling me they were worried for me. And I had a friend in high school say to me like, what are you going to do? And I remember clearly at 17 years old, as stupid as I was saying, I don't know, but I'll figure something out. And I remember feeling confident when I said that, even though I had no idea why I was confident. I couldn't explain it. I just knew this wasn't for me. So as time went on, I did all the jobs that everybody told me to do. It just never resonated. And it wasn't until I was able to build something where it's like, I can control my time. Essentially, I was a newspaper photographer. And there's so much more before that. But I made $32,000 a year. My wife made $30,000 a year. We worked together. And we were essentially broke from everything going on. We had a kid. We started a wedding business. And what, what, what really happened was, I was the, like the top photographer in our area, even in the country. I won top sports photographer in the United States for an international award on top of it. And I went back to my boss because I'm like, this is the time I'm going to get a raise. We have a kid coming. My wife was eight months pregnant with our first son, making 32 grand a year. And he, and, and he listed off all of my accomplishments. And then he kind of rubbed his eyes and he said, but we can only give you 3%. And I was like, oh. I'm like, so what am I going to make now? $34,000 a year. And I'm going to be busting it. Like, and, and I remember just walking out and being like, it's over. And this was my dream. You understand, this was my dream job. Like I got to shoot the Super Bowl. I got when presidents would come to town, I would hang out with them, spend the day with the Dalai Lama, like everything you can imagine, but I couldn't support my family. And I remember leaving and being like, this is over. I'm not sure how it's over, but it is. And I went home and I called my dad to see if I can get some extra work with him because he had his own business in New York. I was in Indiana at the time. And he said, no. So I'm like, even my dad's rejecting me now. It's like the worst day of my life. And he said something that changed my life. He said, he said, I've been trying to tell you this and you haven't listened. Maybe you'll listen now. He said, you have a skill, but you're not using it correctly. And I said, all right, what do you mean? And he said, you are, you've become a really good photographer. You weren't, you learned but you become really good at this and you're selling yourself short. You're selling out because it's like, you're, you're settling for $32,000 a year in benefits. When you could shoot weddings, you could shoot corporate work. You could shoot pro sports magazines, anything you want at any price you want. And you control your schedule and you're settling. And when you're 30 something years old and your dad tells you that it's a real kick in the gut. It's like, you're supposed to be the one telling me to be safe. You're telling me I'm too safe. So I started, call, I said, I hung up the phone and I started calling photographers to see if I could work with them. You know, maybe I could assist with them making some money. They all told me no. And I took the phone book, if you remember a phone book, because there used to be those. And I threw it against the wall and I was so mad. And I heard the phrase, like, if you can't beat them, join them. And I said, well, if you can't join them, we're going to beat them. And I called my wife. And I was like, we're starting a business. And she's like, what? She's eight months pregnant. And I'm like, yes, we're starting a business. And I had no idea what I was doing. No clue. She didn't either. And we started a business literally the next day. The first year was awful, but within three years, we had replaced our income. We had paid off all of our debt, including our house, quit our jobs. And all of a sudden, literally one day, I'm scheduled to work 20 days out of the year, making uh, not twice as much, but close to twice as much as we made to combined. 
working 20 to 25 days a year and having this freedom. Wow. So all of a sudden, every day with our, well, we had two kids at that point, every day was like, we do what we want to do. And I remember going outside in the yard and being like, nobody ever told me life could be like this, that I can control this. And that's where it came from that eventually we were on a long road trip for four months. And I called a friend while we were at the beach in Oceanside, California. And he said, man, you got total life freedom. I was already doing the masterminds, everything I'm doing now. And I, I, my wife was going inside. I said, hey, can you check that domain? And she, she checked it. And it was available. We bought it for like 13 bucks. And that's how, that's how the business name started. But it came from that. That's amazing. No, I love that story. And one of the things that stood out to me, one of the things that resonated was, I think, something that was similar to my journey, something that like, I, I feel along the way, we all find a route that is the safe route if we want to take it. And it seems like you found that for you in theory, like the safe route was whatever this job was that was going to pay your health benefits, mm-hmm. not pay you what you're worth, yep. but it was there every week for you to go and do, but it didn't feel so safe anymore. And I think that is huge because when your safety net isn't what feels safe anymore, it's like, what do you do? It's, I think it's kind of universe changing in that regard. So it's, it's an interesting part of your story. Yeah, totally. And, and it, it kind of continued on through different career shifts in terms of like, when it gets too comfortable, I kind of want to just kill it. Instead of growing it or optimizing, it, I'm like, what is the next challenge for me? So that became a theme throughout the next 15, 20 years. Yeah. And I mean, it feels like, a, and your father being able to jump in here and like recognize that for you. And I'll, I'll admit, I did some, I did some research on you. And from my research, this is the second time he stepped in in your life and said, uh, you're not seeing about yourself as this. Yes. And maybe you should give yourself a little more credit. Yeah. I mean, you talk about when I started my photography career. Yeah. I, I, I was lost. I was lost and I was, I was a terrible student. Like I said earlier, I, I, I muddled through life. I didn't even think I was going to live to 20. And I, literally on my 20th birthday, I was with a girl that I was dating and I realized it was my 20th birthday. And my whole time I was like, I'll never make it the way that I was living, the friends that I was hanging out with. And I said to my, my girlfriend's mom, who I just met, Oh my God, I'm 20. I never thought I'd live this long. It's not a great way to introduce yourself to a, to your new girlfriend's mom. But when I drove home that night, I remember thinking it's all bonus. So as a lot of my friends were thinking, Oh, I'm getting old now. I'm 20. I was thinking, what's there to lose? So I literally went and, and I didn't get it at that point, but for my, my dad, I was, I was working at a convenience store. I was stealing. I was a thief. It was terrible. And I had a nightmare that I got caught stealing again. And I went downstairs the first time at 22. I'm like, what am I doing with my life? My dad comes downstairs and we didn't get along, as you can imagine, hearing my story. And he literally in in a minute said, well, you like traveling. You like sports. You like taking pictures. Why don't you become a sports photographer? And I was like, is that even possible? That's a job. Like that's a career. And because of that, you know, months later, I was I was buying tickets to games and sneaking up to the front. And I, and for 20 years, I was I was a, a sports photographer shooting everything you can imagine. What's funny is he said that you guys didn't get along, but it's obvious that he sees you and he understands, you know, like his son and just these little like Yoda moments that have changed your life are amazing. I, I hope that we all have someone in our lives that can help us see that thing that's just right in front of us. Uh, if we just have the the bravery to try something new or different. The real interesting thing is I didn't even remember those stories until I went to write my first book. It was called Freelance to Freedom. And, I was, and, and I'll be completely honest. I wrote that book because I was angry. I started writing the book because I was angry because at that point I wasn't getting along with my dad. 
I wasn't getting with my parents and I'm an adult now. And there's a lot of, there's a lot of issues. So I'm starting writing the story. It was a big kind of like, Hey, I, I did it. I won. And I was almost like doing it to prove them wrong. And what's so interesting about this, and I hope even listeners can, can take something from this. If you're mad at somebody or somebody that you love, as I started writing this, the book, and it was a really angry book at first, I started reflecting because you can't help but do that. And that's where those stories came from. I started like, oh, wait a second. There was that time. He, I got to put that in there. And there was that other. So my dad, quite honestly, and he knows this, went from being the villain, why I started writing the book, to the hero by the time the book was over. So that's why my next book is publishing on his birthday. It's 80th birthday on purpose because I want to honor him with that. Yeah, I think we all, like, if you've been through anything in life, like, it's easy to get a chip on your shoulder about something. And if that's the fire you need to get it done, you know, fine. Like, whatever it takes to get you there. I do want to kind of dive into some of the, like, the, a little bit of the conceptual side of, you know, how do you frame this, what this next step is in people's lives that takes you away from that, that thing that's safe, you know, that yep. thing that we're settling for a lot of the time because I know you coach a lot of people on this and you've done it for yourself too. Uh, as you pe see people finding the motivation to explore that path, what do you help them with that gets them started on this road? Like what are some of the core tenets of this like lifestyle freedom philosophy? Well, obviously money is a part of it. I'm not a big money guy when it comes to a lot. Like you, some people measure their success by that. They compare themselves to other people. And this world is very difficult, especially the world that we're in, because you can be doing very well, but you could feel really bad about yourself as soon as you start comparing yourself to other people in this in this space and everybody will tell you it needs to be you know seven figures or all this stuff and what i realized it really didn't have anything to do with that freedom and doing the work that you love doesn't have that much to do with money and that was really hard for me to understand so many people are striving for that like i coach somebody who's a friend of mine who's a part of our community and he couldn't quit his job because he needed x amount of money right? So, so I'm making this much, much of this job. So I need my side hustle to make this, which kills so many people from doing what they really want to do. Because like, well, if I'm making 125, I need my side hustle to make 125 so I can quit. And I'm like, that's a load of crap. First of all, you're making 125. Do you really need 125 to make it to actually live the life you want? And as we broke it down, and we got through all his expenses with some extra stuff, he was like, Oh, my goodness. It's like, I'm like, what's the number? It's like, it's like 58 grand, way different than 125. Now you're already doing your side thing, making like $37,000 a year, thinking I'll never get there because it'll never be 125. Well, if you're making 37 on the weekends and you only need 53, and if you quit your job and now you have the whole week to work on what you love doing, you don't think you can get 50, get to 53 and then 83 and then 183? Literally got him to quit his job because he saw a difference in the mindset, but so often the money gets in people's ways because they're corporate job they can never see replicating it with what they love doing so they never even try to do it and they they just keep going in this career that they hate so the money is a big part of it and it's not what people think it is yeah absolutely and i think even finding that side hustle thing is i think difficult for a lot of people um but what's nice is you can explore until you get there until you find that thing that you like to do and but while doing it on the side you don't have to just quit your job and be an entrepreneur all of a sudden i think that's sage advice, obviously, uh, create some runway, create some safety by trying different things. But you you talked about something, which is basically like, once you find that thing, the confidence you need to really go all in, maybe is closer than you think. Um, I think that's a nice unlock for a lot of people if they listen back to that. Well, totally. Because it's like, what are you interested in? And what do people ask you about? 
what, what, is, what is something like, and you hear this a lot, what is something you would do for free? And that was, I, I swear, everything I think I've done that I've made a success in business, I did for free to start with. You know, speaking. First bunch of public speeches I gave was for free. Like, who's going to pay me when I've never done a, a, a keynote speech before? Of course. They're. So go and do it. I don't care if it's for six people. You're going to write a successful book. Well, you better write for free. And when people say, oh, oh you got to get paid for what you're worth. I go against what so many you know, modern influencers talk about, oh, you better get paid what you're worth. So name your favorite band, right? Anybody, as you're thinking, think of your, do you think their first album that they wrote, they were getting paid to write it? It's probably your favorite album of theirs. No, they were writing it in some garage while eating French fries that are stale probably while they got the, the words down and the music down so they could write this song and this album to then become ultra successful. So I think so many people get stuck on the idea of like, well, I can't get paid to do that. If you love doing it and you put your time and effort into it and you can help people with it, you can get paid whatever you want to get paid for it. But I think the, I'm more concerned when people get stopped from these things as opposed to, well, how do we optimize? Optimizing gets easy once you have the confidence, like you said, people get stopped before they even get started. Yeah. What's funny, I think what helped me is figuring out like there's a lot of fear to leave the safety net that we've been talking about, right? There's a lot of fear in leaving that. I had to kind of take on this game, this like, I call it the Game of Thrones mindset. They they have the, you know, that show where they have uh, this thematic tool that they keep saying winter is coming, right? And it's just them creating this overarching story of like, what's going to happen later, like the impending doom. So I had to put the fear of like, not having a safe job, that's the, I had to put something against that because that's the fear that's like behind me. I had to put a fear in front of me, which is what happens if I stay in this job for 20 more years or 10 more years? Like, what does that look like? And is that what I want? And it wasn't from the perspective, I liked what I did. I wasn't one of those guys who like, I enjoyed my day to day. I could have kept doing that. But I saw the people ahead of me, my bosses and my mentors, they couldn't keep a job. They were starting to become like, you know, if a CMO changed over an ad agency, they change ad agencies. And then that person got, my boss gets fired because he doesn't have that account anymore. And now he's got to go find another job. But guess what? There's only so many jobs at the top. There's, you know, it's like one or two jobs as opposed to all the minions, right? Yeah. And you're like, I could become that person that now takes a six years or six months or a year or two years to find the next high level position. That's the fear in front of me. I'm like, do I want to be harder and harder to employ? Or to your case, like, am I ever going to make enough money to like have a, <laughs> to like be able to take trips with my family and to like to live in a, in a way that I want to or whatever it is. So seeing what the, what's in front of you as a fear, I think is just as important too. And understanding what are the other roads that are out there that can get me out of this. Oh, totally. Without a doubt. And I think so many people, you know, whether it's coming from your space, which is the corporate world, which there's unlimited potential, like in in terms of income, the job that you could possibly have, but then it stops to, I go towards the solopreneur. I go towards the freelancer that is like, I really want to do something that I love doing, but I don't know how to make a living doing it. And they like, how do I make a living writing a book or doing a podcast? And, you know, I completely believe that this is a world of a million micro niches now. I think it's unlike anything we've ever seen in a good way. You know, when I had to get a job, you handed a paper application when I was a kid. Now, you know, I'll start, now you can create the most, most niche idea product that only you, you know, and a handful of people enjoy and you can make a living from it. We've seen it over and over again in this world. The opportunities, I'm more excited now. I just turned 50. I think this is just 
what we can do and what we can do with it is more exciting now than I've ever felt in terms of the possibilities. So hopefully if somebody's stuck that they could be like there, that's out there for them to do. You know, one of the, the fears that I, I want to mention, cause I know like we're in the spaces that are very saturated. And I think freelancers feel like that, that if they aren't doing it for a company, you know, being a graphic designer or graphic editor, being a copywriter, being a blog editor, being a photographer, being a Facebook ads guy or marketing person are jobs that when you freelance and you don't work for a company, it feels like you're competing with the lowest possible bidders out there, Uh, especially with the upworks of the world. Like you're competing with not just people in your industry, but people from other countries Like we'll do it for half the price or one tenth of the price. I imagine that stops a lot of people in their tracks. So I ask you, how do you overcome that fear of losing what you could possibly make for your profession? How do you overcome the point of losing the money from that? Yeah, like you're going to be priced out of the market by by just there's so many other people that do what you do. I think it comes down to so often we have a scarcity mindset when it comes to the pricing of this. The people that do this really well, the people that aren't, they have an abundance mindset towards it. Generally, they're well-connected. Generally, they have a network around them. They have people that trust them, people that will hire them, will refer them out, and will connect them to other people. When you don't have a network around you, when you're by yourself and you're competing in the upworks of the world, you're going to be the bottom of the barrel. You're going to be, you're going to be pricing your, you're, you're going to be competing on price and that's going to be it. Everything that's ever happened for me, as I look back, happened because doors were opened for me by people that were above me and they were either needed help from somebody that was desperate like me, or they wanted to help me out. But when you see the power of your network, when you see what that can do, what it comes down to is not having the scarcity mindset of being in this battle of, of, you know, my fighting for work over Upwork, or is it, I am going to reach out and I'm going to have the people around me. I'm going to have a network around me. I'm going to connect with people. I'm going to be generous to people around me. It's hard to do when you're struggling. But if I, if there's anything that I would have, wish I would have learned earlier, it would have been, if I can develop and maintain and cultivate a network around me of people, doors open up from that. So that's the approach that I tell people to go and I help people towards, as opposed to, oh, just fighting for the cheapest bid from something like Upwork. Yeah. Well, and I think that's huge. I think one of the things that I think we really align on is that the the people part of our business and the relationship part of our business is like an unspoken business plan, if you will. And it's, it doesn't have to be, you know, like, I don't know, from bad motivations, but when someone's like, why are you here at this event? And, you know, or like, what's your plan to grow your business? I'm like, I don't know. Like I'm here for the people. Like mm-hmm. at the end of the day, that's, that's, if you don't like, if you can't just genuinely show up with the opportunity to meet people that you have no idea what the advantage is going to be. You just know that like you like people and if you can help, you will, if they can help you, they will. Yep. That unspoken, just kind of gut instinct, uh, I think is an unlock for most of us in this business, especially if you give yourself, if you combine that with time, if you combine the investment in people with just giving it time, things start to happen. And I know it's one of your tenets for how you help and teach people. Now, by the way, guys, if you guys want to get to check into what Vince is teaching and his philosophies and the programs he's running, stop by totallifefreedom.com and check that out. You can find his podcast, uh, which you know we, we've got, I think you have a thousand episodes you're looking to build. You're already 800 something in for the Total Life Freedom podcast. 
You had a book you wrote in 2017 called Freelance to Freedom, The Roadmap for Creating a Side Business to Achieve Financial Time and Life Freedom. And I know you're working on a project now, which dives into this one branch that we're talking about, which is this unlock of connections. Can you talk a little bit about this, where this idea is coming from that you wanted to talk about more? Yeah, it's, it, you know, the first book really was a couple of years of just thinking. And it was not like, oh, I'm going to go write a book. It was, I kept writing stories. I kept, and eventually it turned into a book. It wasn't a plan to write a book. It was like, oh, that story goes with that one. And it kind of happened here too, where I was like, I, I'm right. I feel like I'm writing a book, but the title kept changing. I didn't know what it was going to be. And then eventually it just kind of hit me just even a couple months ago, the wealth of connection, because there's a real tie-in with that where the wealth is in the connection. That's where my answer from your last question came from. If people see this and, and the ones that get it, get it. The wealth is in the connection. That's why networks matter. That's why people go to these events. It's not to get something, but to connect and to build relationships stronger. So the idea, and, and also wealth comes from connection. When you see how it works in the real world, when you see how people bring people in that they know and they trust, that's how it builds out. And you don't have to fight on your own. So the whole thing about this book is, you have to have great character because so many people go about this with selfish goals. We see it all the time. I'm sure you do as well. You don't want to call people out, but it's, hey, how do I get something from this person? How do I get what I want? I want to buy this house. I need a car. I need my business to be this. I want a million downloads. And the truth is nobody cares. I hate to say it. Nobody cares because everybody's looking for something. Everybody's looking to get something. And when you're so used to people taking, you, we all have our guard up towards people that are takers. If you're generous, if you have your generous goals over your selfish goals, meaning my, like your podcast, I want to help people figure this out, marketing, branding. I want to help people with that. You know, if you add enough value and you bring the right people on and you do this the right way, you're going to get all the things that you need, right? So if generosity comes first, generous goals go above selfish goals. That is a missing piece for a lot of people because we all see it. The person that reaches out to you once a year because they want something. They're never going to get the door open for them. But the one that checks in, the one that connects you to other people, the one that sends a note just because they want to, because they're thinking of you, they're always going to be top of mind. So it's this personal, this personal touch. Everybody says, oh, it's not personal, it's business. It's the biggest load of crap out there. It's, it, it's all personal. That came from the Godfather. And it really ruined a lot of business people, but that, that whole saying. So when, you're, when your character is down, when your curiosity is down, which is the second part, which is you're interested in other people, you don't just talk about yourself. You don't go to an event and ramble on for half an hour about what you're doing and not ask questions. Like we've all been in that situation where somebody talks about themselves and then when it stops, they, they stop talking about themselves, they don't know what to say because they don't ask questions. When you can ask meaningful and interesting questions, you make people like you and appreciate you. So there goes to the, the character, the curiosity, and then the connection. What happens when we meet at a conference and you're so helpful, you ask questions of me, I automatically like you, right? I, all of a sudden I meet Brandon, I'm like, this is a cool guy. I want to keep in touch with him. Then what we're doing right now, collaboration is the fourth part. When you start collaborating with your connections and you have the generosity down and you're not a selfish person, you're curious, all of a sudden from there is the last part where I talk about, which is creation, which is if you start a podcast, and you are generous, and you are curious, and you are connected, and you collaborate, whether it's a podcast or a book or music, you are going to succeed over everybody else because everybody's going to be in your corner to bring you up. But the problem is everybody, for the most part, starts with number five. They start with creation. I'm going to go write a book. Nobody cares. I'm going to start a podcast. Nobody cares. Everybody's used to everybody trying to take, and you've built up no equity in the other areas 
that that's why so many people flounder and the ones that do it well and the ones that keep going have those things in place i like that and i you know i want to probe a little bit i want to probe a little bit on this because it's i it's a topic that i'm insanely curious about uh but before i probe uh, i want to talk a little bit about when we met which is what inspired us to get on this call which is we didn't really know each other i wouldn't even say we really knew of each other except that we were there and you know maybe some googling or something but uh and this is at podfest convention for podcasters uh in tampa and what i thought was interesting for me was i think a when you can meet someone who just knows people you know it helps lower because i think we all have guards up about people and their intentions and everything else but there's you know just a little bit it's a little bit easier when it's just at least it's someone they're with people that you know or they're talking to someone that you at least have a slight connection with so like a like that helped right but b once we met it was just a, a very it was like very quick like hey nice to meet you cool and then you continue the conversation and you know now it's three people in a conversation instead of two and for me i a reason i'm bringing this up because one of my theories is about frequency and it's just like i'm like okay i met vincent and i consider that like one touch one poke right and then I'll see you again, like in the same hallway, 20 minutes later, and I'll walk by, I'll give you a fist bump. And then maybe two hours later, like I'll join the next conversation that you're in. Cause now, you know, people that I don't know. And I, mm -hmm. and we, I joined and it's not necessarily a strategy, but it's like, this is just my, my mental approach to how I go to these things and not like be a stranger. Right. And the reason it's important to me is because I think that what then made it interesting to me is you came up to me at some point and said, so what is this thing you're doing, right? Because I, I gave my speech and I mentioned, I alluded to, I'm, you know, I have a program. I'm starting in January. It's not filled out yet, but it's about podcast branding. And, we, and, and you're just like, cool. Well, when you figure it out, like I'm in, like mm -hmm. just, it wasn't a, tell me all about it. It wasn't a, you know, what's it cost? It was, and obviously if it sucks, you're gonna be like, okay, that's not for me. But just that the intention was, you seem like a nice guy. I'm happy to support you. Just when you got to figure it out, I'm in those little things. I think people don't figure out. And I like to say, you have to like people first. And totally. if you want to be liked, you have to like people first. So let's talk about your version of generosity, how you think about this stuff, because I think people are awkward when they're like, yeah, I get it. Give value, but how? Yeah. So how do you think about that? Generosity was going to be a part of the title, but the problem was as I'm testing it and talking to people, people are confused by that word because when people hear generosity, they think, Oh, I got to buy a book to give money, right? That's, that's not why I'm, I'm buying a book. So they, immediately they're like, what is the, what, what you're going to tell me just to give more? I'm already struggling. I got to give more. It wasn't about that. Generosity is so much more than, than just money. I barely even talk about it. It is exactly what you're talking about. Are you generous with your time? Are you generous with your curiosity? Are you generous even with your honesty? Like, I want people to tell me the truth. I don't want people to say, oh yeah, your podcast is great. And like, ugh. It's really terrible. I tell somebody else, I want to know the best advice I've ever gotten was tough, generous advice, being generous with my honesty. So that's where it came from. But the idea of, you know, if you're not generous, if you're not helpful, if you're not connecting people together, if you're not thinking about what other people are doing, you're never going to build those connections. Nobody wants to be around somebody that's selfish. That should be in school. It's not, but that should be a class and a year in school. Nobody wants to help a selfish person, helpful people want to help helpful people. And I've learned this over the years of like, why do these people keep getting elevated? 
Well, they help other people. People see that and then they bring them up. If I would have went up to you and I would have tried to sell you something or I would have been just all talkative about myself and not asking, you'd have been like, yeah, it was all right. Or, or a lot worse, right? And we would never do this. And anything that happens in the future would never happen. And people so often never even get to those parts because they screwed up with the first two parts. Yeah, exactly. And I think that there's, there's a model for this and we're going to figure it out today on the call, on the interview. Like if you had to explore all the ways to be generous, I think it takes understanding what people look for in terms of the attention that they want and what makes them feel good. And they have all those like tools that are like, what are your love languages and all those things. And if you can just imagine all the people that have made you feel good in your life, I bet you there are examples there that you could all learn from that would be this is a good thing I can take with me when I'm meeting new people. And my best example is, uh, I'm curious what yours might be, is my wife's mother, uh, who's passed away now, uh, but was this amazing like industry leader in the music space, right? She managed bands and was just a killer, but also was like the heart of the house and in the kitchen and everything else. And my favorite thing about her was you'd show up, didn't matter who you were, it could be the first time you met her, and she had a way of immediately knowing how to say something that was complimentary to you and make you feel great about yourself, no matter what it was. And for most people, she could even see whatever that thing was that like you knew would be like the most best compliment you could like, Vincent, you have like, you're like the most beautiful father. I wish I could go back in time, become a kid again and have you raise me the way you've raised your children. Like something that just grabs you and you're like, oh my God, like this person, I love them. And that's her version of generosity is that way of like seeing somebody and, you know, and being complimentary, but not in a weird, like fake way. I imagine if we all imagine some people in our lives that we, that really spoke to us, we'd find something like that. And I love that you're thinking about this and you're outlining this. And because I think we get a lot of the same old advice about networking, to be honest. So I'm excited to see where you go. And that's why I, I hate, I don't even like the word networking because I think it's been bastardized. I really do. I think it's been, it's like, oh, here's how you can network so you can get what you want. No, that's not the point. You're going to get what you want down the road. But what you're talking about is the reason why I had to write this, because this is not me. This is not who I was. I was a very, and still am in many ways, a very selfish person, very self-involved. It's a, I had to write, Dave Ramsey talks about it. He has to talk about personal finance because he's the spender. And when you can teach on something that you're not great at. So this is for, for me to talk about this daily. It forces me to wake up and do this as opposed to do what I naturally want to do, which is to go after my goals. That's naturally what I want to do is go accomplish something for myself. And then when I, but what happened for me was I did all those things and I accomplished them and I was empty. And I've heard that from so many people, but it's not until you do it yourself, do you realize what's the point of all this? What's the point if I'm doing it to brag and to feel good about myself and people, they, 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 they like the accomplishments, but they don't like you as a person. And that's what happened. And so what, what really kind of happens for me is like, I need to practice this daily. So what happened was everybody, and what changed my life with this was everybody talks about the daily affirmations. You know, you have all these morning rituals and, and I got into it a little bit. Oh, you have your affirmations and you have your goal setting and you read something. What are you, what are you going to get in your life? And I'm like, this is why we become so self-involved. This is why we become so selfish. It's all about what our goals are. What do you want out of life? You deserve all this stuff. When are we going out there and starting the day thinking about other people? So what happened was I started my own ritual, but instead of doing it that way, I started what I called an hour of giving. 
So because I'm so wrapped up in my own head, if I can start the day taking an hour and giving to other people, literally, Brent, this is what changed everything. Because I sit down, I'm like, oh, I didn't leave a review for that podcast. I'm going to go leave a review. I didn't reach out to anybody. I'm going to go reach out to 10 people or 15 people. I'm going to write a thank you note. I'm going to connect people together. It's what I did for an hour to get myself out of my selfish conditions. I can tell you that the success of the book, of the membership, of the podcast, every bit of it, I would say 90 plus percent of the success came from the interactions between that hour of giving where I didn't even ask for anything. Because what happened was when you reach out to people, they go, what are you doing? I said, oh, I'm writing a book. Really, what's the book about? I was free. I tell them the name. I want to read it. That happened for months. And I'd send the, the PDF copy out. We launched the book with 125 reviews without any marketing or any social media. It was all the people that I was in touch with during the hour of giving that wound up leaving reviews and buying the book. Same with the podcast. And it's like, oh my goodness. It's like, so by being generous, by being helpful, it comes back. So it started with not having my own goals. It started with, what do other people want? There's nothing that makes me feel better when somebody writes me a thank you note or reaches out to me out of nowhere, not asking for anything. It feels so good. So why don't we do that for others? Yeah. I mean, if we all did that, I think we'd be, we all be a little bit happier, both on the receiving and on the giving end of that for sure. So that, that's my mission with this. And I can do this for 50 years. If I can help the business world become less selfish and more generous, this was accomplished with what we're doing now. I love that. And you know, what I want to know is because I, we're kind of coming towards the end here. I'm, I'd like to get kind of a, A, what you're excited about, but B, I kind of want to hear an example of just A, what motivated this or B, just someone or something that was like a good example of generosity coming to life. If that, if, you know, that might be a stumper. So I'm kind of like, I'm giving you some leeway here. Uh, to figure out where you want to go with no, this. there's there's so many there's so many. I think about my friend. I think about my friend Brian Franey, who the, when I was in the photography world, he was working for ESPN. He was a producer for ESPN, still is. And I was a photographer at that point. I was trying to shoot games in every stadium in the country. So I was working on a book about that. I haven't done it recently because I've kind of went away from stuff. But I've shot in like 140 different stadiums, the World Series, Super Bowl, WrestleMania, everything. I'm gonna put together a book from one picture from each stadium. It's gonna be called One Shot. So I'm working on this thing. And so I meet Brian at a wedding. He's from, we're both New York Mets fans. So we hit it off right away in our own misery because we're always awful as a team. So we hit it off and we keep in touch for years. Well, he's going to New York city to go to a Broadway show. And he tells me, I reached out, he reached out to me. He goes, Hey, do you have any contacts here? I know your brother works here. Like, so yeah, my brother's on Broadway. He's a lighting tech. Let me send him a text. Hey, can you give my friends a backstage tour? It's like, absolutely. No, 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 it was nothing for him to do it, but a big deal to them. So they wound up getting a backstage tour to the Jersey Boys. No big deal. I sent one text, boom, boom, boom. So five years later, I reached out to Brian because the Miami Heat were in the conference finals. This is when LeBron James was there. And they're going for their third straight championship. And I'm like, I haven't been able to shoot him with the Heat in a championship game yet. Can't get a press pass. All of my connections, I can't get. Nothing works. So I'm like, let me just message Brian. I said, I saw on, on Twitter that he was in Indy for the game. I said, hey, I see you're there. Any chance you need another photographer within one minute, he goes, your press pass will be waiting at will call. You can stay in my room if you want. I was like, what really? He goes, yep. Hang out with me. We'll go to dinner, drive to Indianapolis. Two days later, LeBron James is right in front of me, right at the national anthem. I get the picture that goes on my website. Boom. So we spend the whole night together walking out of the arena. And I said, thank you so much for doing this. And he goes, well, I owed you. And I said, what do you mean you owed me? And he said, 
I never forgot how you made that text to your brother to get us backstage for the Jersey Boys. I've been waiting to pay you back. So as soon as you texted me, I knew how I could do it. And I was like, no matter what I tried to do to get in there on my own selfish goals, I couldn't do it. But because I was generous five years earlier and then I reached out that the, the, not only just the press pass, but an all access ESPN press pass was waiting for me. It was just mind blowing to me. So that's just one of hundreds. And, and what I love is about all of this is it feels good on both sides. In other words, like to be the person that makes it happen for someone else, it probably wasn't that hard for the person in the moment. Like, to, you know, like, sure, I, I have a spare thing. I'll, I can help you out. Or it wasn't too much skin off their back to make it happen for someone else. But it means everything to the other person. Totally. And then vice versa, because if you don't have the access or the resource, but the other person does and it's easy for them, it's huge. You know, it could be small for you, but huge for them. So I, I think that that perspective is all it takes is a little bit to move someone else's mountain. Well, think about what all three of us did. I sent a text that took me less than a minute to my brother. Big deal. My brother messaged his boss. who was like, hey, let these people in. Whatever. We're going to go want to buy a sandwich. That's the next thing they probably said. Let's go to dinner. And then Franny just wrote my name on a pass because he's got access to passes. Boom, 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 boom. Like that. We all took a minute to do it and we helped helped each other. But if we went about it selfishly, every one of us would have taken days or months or years and never even gotten it. That's the collaboration part. Yeah. Well, I appreciate that, man. I hope people are starting to at least take the step towards seeing what the power of focusing on generosity and building their wealth of connections could be. I know you have a book that you are in the process of um, when this episode comes out, we're not exactly sure, but you'll at least possibly have a podcast coming out that talks about the wealth of connection. And then way in May uh, is when I think we're looking at for having the wealth of connection book come out. So if nothing else, go to totallifefreedom.com, find Vincent stuff, follow his current podcast, follow his social media. So you can see and follow the journey of this next iteration of uh what he's teaching and what he's got going on out there but last man thanks for being on the show man i appreciate you thank you so much i totally appreciate this you're awesome yeah appreciate it too and uh, another new friend that i get to see at conferences and around in this world because our connections will continue to grow as well uh, i hope you guys are out there building your relationships so that you can also build your brand and as always tune in every week and we'll keep bringing interviews like this and tips to you so you can also work on the business of you. Appreciate you guys and we will catch you next time. You've just taken your marketing knowledge to another level with this episode of Brands on Brands, but we have plenty more ways to help you build a brand that matters. Head over to brandsonbrands.com for resources, as well as access to our blogs, videos, and exclusive coaching sessions with your host. Be sure to visit brandsonbrands.com.